Well, glory to God. It's so easy to step up here when you have such an anointing. Amen. <laughs> you just stay, stay in the presence of God just all night long. So awesome. Thank you so much. Whew. Pastor Robert's in Guatemala. He's working on, they're doing some big project with a well or something, and so I'm humbled and honored to be here, standing in this pulpit. Oh, my goodness. So I didn't have a message until yesterday evening. It kind of started coming together yesterday evening. <laughs> I was just wrestling around the Lord yesterday. I was having a really spiraling like out of spiraling out of control kind of day and so I just like I need prayer I need prayers I need prayers and then my husband was so precious to he built me a fire and he left and gave me some time he went hunting he did what he was wanting to do and I and uh and I just needed that time and I just sat in front of the fire and I just got in the presence of God and and he was so awesome and so he uh, he just directed me to go to the plan, which is Acts chapter 9, which I failed to announce on Sunday. You know, I just went through all those things. It's like I had it all written down, bing, 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 and then I sat down. I was like, yeah, I forgot to announce the plan. Well, oh, well. So anyway, we're going to go to Acts chapter 9, and I'm just going to kind of lead you through exactly how the Lord showed it to me. It was kind of interesting. He's so... Uh, animated with me anyway i have my passion translation here but I, there's also a couple of scriptures i was like i think i just need to read that in new king james it just i don't know let's see but acts chapter 9 and then we're just gonna we're gonna be skipping around to a lot of different scriptures get your bibles out <laughs> I, I always forget to do that i think i'm gonna say it later on it's like oh yeah okay so so anyway, he's, he's like, just do the plan, just do the plan. I'm like, okay. So, I, so I, of course, I got out, and I started reading Acts chapter 9 anyway, um, Sunday afternoon, but, and so we're familiar with it, right? I mean, all of you guys are in your word, and so you know this, you know what happens, right? And so, but the very first, so I'm starting to read this, and it says, during those days, Saul, full of angry threats and rage, wanted to murder the disciple of the Lord Jesus. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait. When does Saul come into the picture? And it's kind of like, you know, when you're watching a movie and, you're, and you come into the movie as you're watching the movie and it's the, in the middle of something. And then all of a sudden, so you watch it for like five minutes and then all of a sudden it says, six months ago, and it takes you back to where it all started. And so that's what I feel like the Lord wants to do. So I want to take you to Acts chapter 6. Because this is really where it all gets started. And hopefully, you know, Lisa Gunn has been teaching about the motivational gifts. And I kind of knew what my motivational gift was. But she really expounded on it. And so I totally know what my motivational gift is. And so I just want you to know I'm not a teacher. And I'm, I'm an exhorter like to the 10th degree. And, and so tonight when you leave, that's my prayer is that you will be exhorted and encouraged to something out of here. That what I feel like is that the Lord's going to show you something and it's not going to be what I say. He's going to show you something 
in your spirit, and it's not going to be something that's going to come out of my mouth. It's going to be something he's, that's going to go boom on your, in your head. Has that ever happened to you? Like somebody's preaching, and then all of a sudden it's like boom, and then you go off on this little, your own little thing with Jesus, and that's what I want. So it doesn't really matter what I say. I'm just going to follow the Holy Ghost and, and show you what he did for me. And my prayer is that you're going to leave here going, oh, my gosh, Lord, thank you so much for showing me that. Amen? Okay, so Acts chapter 6. And this is in the Passion Translation, so it may be a little bit hard to follow. But it says, during those days, the number of Jesus' followers kept multiplying greatly. But a complaint was brought against those who spoke Aramaic by the Greek-speaking Jews who felt their widows were being overlooked during the daily distribution of food. The 12 apostles called a meeting of all the believers and told them, it is not advantageous for us to be pulled away from the word of God to wait on tables. We want you to carefully select from among yourselves seven godly men. Make sure they are honorable, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them the responsibility of this crucial ministry of serving. So here we get, we're picking seven guys who are have good reputation, filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom to serve. It's a crucial ministry. It's vital to the body of Christ that this ministry of serving. And so I want you to know, this is one of the first things I want to exhort you about. It's like, if you find yourself in a place where you're serving, cleaning the bathrooms, taking care of nursery, doing Sunday school, doing things like this, teaching, wherever you're at, this is crucial ministry. Pastor Robert and Laura need that crucial ministry. And so you may never be recognized, but you're in that place because the Holy Spirit is in you. So it says, that will enable us to give our full attention to prayer and preaching the Word of God. Aren't you grateful that Pastor Robert and Laura have time to spend time in the Word and prayer? Because they bring us fresh every single time. There's nothing stale about what they're bringing. Because we have ministers in our congregation who are out there doing the work of the ministry. Okay. Okay, let me see. Through six. Uh, Everyone in the church loved this idea, so they chose seven men. One of them was Stephen, who was known as a man full of faith and overflowing with the Spirit. How many of you would like to have that reputation? Overflowing with the Spirit. That is my goal. She's overflowing with the Spirit. Okay, and then there was, uh, so there were six others. Philip. Prochorus, Nicanor, I don't even know how to say these names, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, who had converted to Judaism. All seven stood before the apostles who laid their hands on them and prayed for them, commissioning them to this ministry of serving. Okay? So this is what they're focused on. They're taking care of, they're the food bank. They're the food bank. They're taking care of the widows. They're making sure they're getting daily distribution of food and clothing, whatever they need. They were all sharing everything, and they were taking care of everybody. This was their ministry, okay? That's what they did. So then, verse 8, Stephen was a, was a man full of grace and supernatural power, performing many astonishing signs and wonders and mighty miracles among the people. Wait, what? what? He's just supposed to be food bank, What's happening? The Holy Ghost is using him to work miracles and signs and wonders. And it irritated people. They were getting ticked off about it. They were mad at him because he wasn't just, just like, do your job. Just do your job. Don't be flowing in the Holy Ghost. We don't, just do your job. Just feed the people. Just take care of the widows. 
This, is, this was their attitude. So they confronted Stephen to argue with him, but the Holy Spirit gave Stephen remarkable wisdom to answer them. His words were prompted by the Holy Spirit, and they could not refute what he said. Okay, so, so let's just, I'm not going to go through all this because I've got way too much to go through all of this, but let's just suffice it to say that they couldn't refute him. God gave him wisdom, and so they were like tongue-tied because, and mad because they couldn't refute what he said. He had an answer for everything they said. Now, wouldn't that be awesome if we had a, a word fitly spoken to every person that we spoke to that, that we just knew because the Holy Ghost just kind of came flowing out of you, right? Okay, so, la, 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 la. Okay, so Acts chapter 7, verse 1. Okay, let's see. I'm not going to read this whole thing. Basically, what happens? So all these people are, are upset at him, and the high priest says, "Are these accusations true?" And Stephen replied, "My fellow Jews and fathers, listen to me." And so this whole chapter is Stephen putting on the preach. He is preaching from Abraham to Moses. So from verse one through fifty-one, he gets this preach, and he is just telling them the way it is out of the Word of God. So we get to verse, so he go through this whole thing. He's talking about everybody from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and he's, this whole chapter is about him preaching. And then we get to verse 51, and now he looks back at them, the people who are accusing him, and he says, why would you be so stubborn as to close your hearts and your ears to me? You were always opposing the Holy Spirit, just like your forefathers. Which prophet was not, which prophet was not, persecuted and murdered by your ancestors. Name just one. They killed them all. Even the ones who prophesied long ago of the coming of the righteous one. Now you follow in their steps and have become his betrayers and murderers. You have been given the law by the visitation of angels, but you have not obeyed it. So now talk about slap you in the face and turn the other cheek and slap you again. Like he, he is just like, wah, 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 wah. so when they heard these things, they were overtaken with violent rage filling their soul, and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, overtaken with great faith, so he was overtaken with this great faith, which comes from who? Holy Spirit, right? It comes from God. It's, it's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he's overtaken with great faith, was full of the Holy Spirit. He fixed his gaze into the heavenly realm and saw the glory and splendor of God and Jesus, who stood up at the right hand of God. So he knew where to look, right? Do you think that he knew that his words were going to cause opposition and persecution? He knew it. He absolutely knew it. Okay, uh, la, la, la. so verse 56. Look, Stephen said, I can see the heavens opening and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God to welcome me home. He already knows what's going to happen. His accusers covered their ears with their hands and screamed at the top of their lungs to drown at his voice. He's telling him, look, look, y'all, I can see heaven. I can see Jesus, and he's standing up. He's calling me home. And they're, they're stopping their ears up because they can't stand to hear what he's saying. Then they pounced on him and threw him outside the city walls to stone him. His accusers, one by one, placed their outer garments at the feet of a young man named Saul of Tarsus. A young man. So this guy was young, and he was zealous. As they hurled stone after stone at him, Stephen prayed. Okay, now, now just keep in mind, Saul's there. Saul's there. 
And Stephen says, our Lord Jesus, accept my spirit into your presence. He crumbled to his knees and shouted in a loud voice, our Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And then he died. Saul heard this. Saul heard this prayer. Okay, eight, chapter 8, verse 1. Now Saul agreed to be an accomplice to Stephen's stoning and participated in his execution. And from that day on, a great persecution of the church in Jerusalem began. All the believers scattered into the countryside of Judea and among the Samaritans, except the apostles who remained behind in Jerusalem. And God-fearing men gave Stephen a proper burial and mourned greatly over his death. Then Saul mercilessly persecuted the church of God, going from house to house into the homes of believers to arrest both men and women and drag them off to prison. Okay. One of the things that the Lord showed me was that Saul heard this prayer, our Lord Jesus, accept my spirit into your presence. Our Lord, don't, he kept saying, our Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And I'm thinking that because Saul was zealous, he really thought that he was doing something for God because he was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. And he really felt like he was doing God's work mercilessly going after these people and putting them into prison, but he heard this prayer. And I'm thinking that this prayer was kind of like that little thing in the back of the brain, just going chink, chink, chink. He saw Jesus, the heavens opened up, something's going on here. This little thing in the back is nagging, 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 right? Okay. La, la, la. Okay, so, and then John 12, John 12, 24, let me just turn there really quick. I think I have it marked too. John 12, 24 says, A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies, because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. And I believe that because of Stephen's death that day, God had something in mind. God was going to do something. Because Stephen's reputation, his love for God, the anointing that he had, his passion for, and that he got to see Jesus standing at the right hand of Father. He saw him there. That his death was a seed that was going to do something pretty significant. Okay. Okay, so now go to Acts chapter 9. Verse 1, so during those days, Saul, full of angry threats and rage, so here he is still raging away, wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. So he went to ask the high priest and request a letter of authorization he could take to the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requesting their cooperation in finding and arresting any who were followers of the way. Saul wanted to capture all the believers he found, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. So he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven, suddenly, everyone say suddenly, exploded all around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Don't you know that had to be an amazing aha moment for this guy? <laughs> a bright light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded around him, and he fell to the ground. 
the men accompanying Saul, so apparently he was on a mission with, with his friends, you know, a bunch of guys were together on a mission. The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless, for they heard a heavenly voice, but could see no one. Saul replied, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, the victorious, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city where you will be told what you are to do. <laughs> oh my gosh, when I read that, I just think about, here's this guy who has been so zealous, so full of rage, and so just, he had a mission. He is going to go and he is going to persecute and drag into prison every single Christian that he can find. Every person that's part of the way. He's going to go into their homes. He's going to go everywhere. And he's going to take them out. And all of a sudden, he's had a suddenly. So one of the things I want to encourage you about is never dismiss the idea of a suddenly in anybody's life. Saul was an impossibility. In God's, I mean, in man's eyes, but in God's eyes, he's like, no, no, I just have a specific time for this guy. I got this. And I want you to know, anybody that you're thinking about, that you think, oh my gosh, there is no way. They are so out there. They're so, yeah, no, there's no way. No, there's a suddenly. There is a suddenly. And I promise you, there are people praying for Saul. Don't you know those Christians were praying for Saul? Because they're like, he's coming for us. Let's pray for him. They were on their knees. I'm sure they were interceding for him. And here God says, suddenly, excuse me, mister, I want you to go into Damascus now, and you're going to sit there and wait for me. Can you imagine what happened to him? I mean, he was a fighter. So here he goes. <laughs> so he stood to his feet, and even though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He was blind. Just wondering, why did he have to be blinded? Just curious about that. Need to get his attention, huh? For three days, he didn't eat or drink, and he couldn't see a thing. Now, living in Damascus was a believer named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling his name. Ananias? Yes, Lord, Ananias answered. The Lord said, go at once. So this means get up and go, right? <laughs> There's like, you don't get to think about it. We're not going to take three days. We're going to, this is the deal. Go at once to the street called Abundance and look for a man from Tarsus named Saul. You will find him at Judah's house. While he was praying, he saw a supernatural vision, a man named Ananias coming to lay hands upon him to restore his sight. But Lord, Ananias replied, many have told me about his terrible persecution of those in Jerusalem who are devoted to you. In fact, the high priest has authorized him to seize and imprison all those in Damascus who call on your name, which includes me. He's trying to say, uh, Lord, you know that he's, he's like looking for me. I'm hiding here because he's coming for me. He's coming for all of us. And everyone's told me that. But don't you think it's precious that he told him that I've already told him that you're coming? But does it make it any easier that this guy who's been killing and persecuting and stoning people, that you're going to go find him? I mean, it takes a lot of faith and believe in, like, I heard Jesus. Lord, are you sure? I just need you to show me how. Am I really hearing you, Lord? Is that really you? Because I heard that he's really, he's killing everybody, and I'm not sure I'm ready to die yet. Like, I got my family, right? He's thinking about this stuff. 
the Lord Yahweh answered him, arise and go, like exclamation point. I have chosen this man to be my special messenger. He will, be, he will be brought before kings, before many nations, and before the Jewish people to give them the revelation of who I am. And I will show him how much he is destined to suffer because of his passion for me. I can't tell you how. That just ministers to my heart so much that Jesus can change your heart suddenly and make him show how much his passion is going to be for him, that he's going to suffer things for him because he's so passionate for what he's going to do. Okay. Ananias left and found the house where Saul was staying. So he's like, okay, Lord, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do this. He was inside and laid hands on him saying, Saul, my brother, <laughs> that's a faith statement, isn't it? Saul, my brother, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me to pray for you so that you might see again and be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. All at once, the crusty substance that was over Saul's eyes disappeared and he could see perfectly. And immediately he got up and was baptized. And after eating a meal, he, his strength returned. And within the hour, he was in the synagogues preaching about Jesus and proclaiming. Within the hour, he was in the synagogues preaching about Jesus and proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. And those who heard him were astonished, saying among themselves, Isn't this Saul who furiously persecuted those in Jerusalem who called on the name of Jesus? Didn't he come here with permission from the high priest to drag them off and take them into prison? And Saul's power increased greatly as he became more and more proficient in proving that Jesus was the anointed Messiah. His power increased greatly as he became more and more proficient in proving that Jesus was in. All he had was an experience. That's it. I mean, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And you can go through his, he tells his testimony so many times in here. But I'm going to go to the very last one where he tells about, where he, where he is like, tells you more detail about it. But he... That's, and that's my prayer, and that's one of his prayers that he prays to one of the churches. He says, I want you to experience Jesus. Because once you experience Jesus, you will never be the same. And so all these people who are listening to him, they're like, okay, wait. And so now the Jews are hearing him who are all like, rah, rah, Saul, go, go, Saul. They're all like, wait, wait, Saul, wait, wait, what are you doing? Stop. What happened to you? How many of you have had, ever had somebody in your pastor look at you and say, like, what happened to you? He was so zealous because he thought he was doing something for God. That God arrested him and said, wait a second. Here's plan B. How many of you ever ha have had the Lord arrest you about a direction you were going? Like, maybe it wasn't as suddenly where you got blinded or whatever, but sometimes, sometimes the Lord just has a suddenly for us, right? And it's like, stop in your tracks. We're going to have a suddenly right now because there's another direction you need to go because there's people that need to be impacted on your road and the, on the way that you're going. Jesus wants suddenlies in our life because he wants to impact us like this. So, what time is it? Eight or three, okay. So, Go to Acts 26. 
I had a thought, and it was, and it, and it's gone. It came and it went, but maybe it will come back. Okay, let's see. So in Acts twenty six, so we know that Saul, that God gave him a new name, and he's Paul now, and that he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. So God used him greatly, right? Because he knew his heart was for God. He just didn't. He just hadn't have a revelation about Jesus yet. But once he got filled with the Holy Spirit, it changed everything. And I know that in December, it's going to be 35 years that I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and it changed everything. Having the empowerment of the Holy Spirit changes everything. It doesn't make everything easy, and it's not simple. But you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And he will lead you, and he will guide you, and he will empower you, and he will be there. And it's transformational. So just saying. Okay, so Acts 26, there's this whole thing about Paul. I don't want to have to go through the whole thing, but Paul's basically having to defend himself in front of Caesar. And so he's, now he's going before King Agrippa. And he says, King Agrippa, oh, King Agrippa said to Paul, you may now state your case. And Paul motioned with his hand for silence. And then he began his defense. Now, I don't know how old he is here now, because remember when he first got started, it was, he was a young man. Young and zealous. And how many of you have been young and zealous? <laughs> I remember, this is, this is the story that the Lord reminded me of. Okay, so I remembered in 1988, there was a book that came out that said, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 88. Do y'all remember that? Were y'all born again then? Okay. So I'm excited. I'm thinking, sure, aren't we all excited that Jesus is coming back? Because we don't know the time of the hour, right? We don't know exactly when he's coming back. But the thought that he was coming back in 88, was like, I'm excited. Come on. But I was zealous. I'd only been filled with the Holy Ghost for just a couple of years. And so I'm zealous and I want to tell everybody. And so I'm going to my friends who I don't, not sure if they know Jesus. And so I'm going to them. And I know one friend is specifically, we were, uh, we had gone to Houston to uh, uh, a women's thing there with uh, Dodie Osteen. And so I decided I was going to hook up with a friend there who I'd gone to school with here. And she lived in Houston. And I'm like, meet me at the Galleria. Let's have lunch. I want to talk to you. And so we got together, and so I was real, I wasn't sure how I was going to do it, because I'm not an evangelist. Remember, I'm an exhorter. That's my gift. I'm an exhorter. I'm an exhorter. I'm not an evangelist. I'm like, I'm not sure exactly how to do this, but so I just shared my heart with her. I said, I heard this saying, uh, this teaching, and that Jesus could come back this year. Like in 88, like he could come back. And I just want to make sure you're ready. And remember that song that we used to sing in the Baptist church, I wish we'd all been ready? And I'm telling her that. I'm like, you remember that song? Two men walking up a hill, one disappears, you know? And she's like, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say I'm not saved? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm just trying to make sure that you are because I want us to go together. I want to make sure we all go. That's the only reason why I'm doing this. Well, I don't know exactly what happened, but I'm certain that I offended her. because she couldn't wait to get out of there. And I don't remember that she's even spoken to me again. Maybe she did at our class reunion briefly. But my point is, is that when you're young, you're zealous. And as you grow, you learn from these mistakes, hopefully. And you learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit and not by your own, you know, mind, will, and emotions. Okay. 
So anyway, that was uh, one little story I was going to share with you about being zealous. Uh, it's not always the greatest thing. It can cause destruction, <laughs> like Saul did. Okay, King Agrippa. So this is Paul talking to King Agrippa and the whole crowd. There's a whole crowd of people there. He says, I consider myself highly favored to stand before you today and answer the charges made against me by the Jews. Because you, more than anyone else, are very familiar with the customs and controversies controversies among the Jewish people. I now ask for your patience as I state my case. So here he is stating his case in front of his people. All the Jews know how I have been raised as a young man living among my own people from the beginning and in Jerusalem. If my accusers are willing to testify, they must admit that they've known me all along as a Pharisee, a member of the most strict and orthodox sect within Judaism. So here he is admitting that he was a Pharisee. Like, I'm one of you guys. Like, I'm, re- I'm relating to you. I mean, you guys should know me. You've known me from the very beginning. And now here I am on trial because I believe in the hope of God's promises made to our ancestors. Now, the thing that you have to know about the Pharisees is that they knew the word forwards and backwards. They knew the word. They just didn't have the Holy Spirit enlightenment to see Jesus in the word. Because how many of you know that you can find Jesus in every single book of the Bible? He's there. But you need the Holy Spirit enlightenment to see it. So he says, I believe in the hope of God's promises made to our ancestors. Verse 7. This is the promise the 12 tribes of our people hope to see fulfilled as they sincerely strive to serve God with prayers night and day. So, your highness, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. And how should you judge this matter? Why is it that any of you think it unbelievable that God raises the dead? I used to think that I should do all that was in my power to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's exactly what I did in Jerusalem. For I not only imprisoned many of the holy believers by the authority of the chief priests, I also cast my vote against them. Sentencing them to death, I punished them often in every Jewish meeting hall and attempted to force them to blaspheme. I boiled with rage against them, hunting them down in distant foreign cities to persecute them. For that purpose, I went to Damascus with the authority granted to me by the chief priests. While traveling on the road at noon, your highness, I saw a light brighter than the sun flashing from heaven all around me and those who were with me. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic, saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You are only hurting yourself when you resist your calling. I asked, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Get up and stand to your feet, for I have appeared to you to reveal your destiny and to commission you as my assistant. You will be a witness to what you have seen and to the things I will reveal whenever I appear to you. I will rescue you from the persecution of your own people and from the hostility of the other nations that I will send to you. And you will open their eyes to their true condition so that they may turn from darkness to the light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. By placing their faith in me, they will receive the total forgiveness of sins and be made holy, taking hold of the inheritance that I give to my children. So here he is telling his testimony. But do you see how much was added to it? From when he first told this little bitty tiny bit when he, but the fact that Ananias heard from Jesus and he came and told him what he said, that part's in there. And then he was had three days of being blind and not eating anything where Jesus had a chance to maybe have a little conversation with him. 
How many of you know that sometimes when you just have a little talk with Jesus, just get away. Sometimes you just need to get away and get away from all the noise and get away from all the stuff. And he had to get away from the direction he was going. And Jesus spoke to him these things and told him, you are going to be my witness. So I want you to know how important your testimony is. Your testimony, it's part of your reputation. Your testimony is the thing that you shared that you can connect with other people. The Bible says that we can comfort those in the places that Jesus has comforted us. That's our job. That's the most important thing. That's how we defeat the devil, right? It's by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That is what is so important. His testimony, he takes it with him everywhere he goes. He told it over and over and he expounded on it. And then Jesus, if you just read through the epistles of every letter he wrote, you see his testimony and what God's doing in and through him. Amen? Okay. So that, that was the, the last exhortation that I had for you, except for Jude, uh, verse 20, which, uh, blah, 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 blah. you guys know this. You guys know all of it. I just want you to know that you are, okay, wait, there's one thing. What was it, Lord, about... Oh, when Ananias, uh, let me just see that real quick. The one thing that I want to encourage you guys about, because you guys come to church, you're so faithful. You are like the remnant. You guys come to church. It doesn't matter who's preaching. You don't care. You just come to church. You want to experience the power and presence of God. You're going to come to church. It doesn't matter if it's raining outside, if it's cold outside, if it's hot outside. It doesn't matter. I'm coming to church. You're the remnant. You're the ones God depends on. You're the one that God says, I'm going to look at you. You're the faithful ones. You're the remnant. I know I can count on you. If I ask you to pray, I know you're going to pray. You are the remnant. And so that's why I brought this Bible, because whenever he told him that, uh, la, la, la. let's see, bear with me one second. He says, well, Ananias said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man and how harm how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem and here he has authority of the chief priest to bind all who call on the name of the Lord. Oh I don't see it. Anyway it said Jesus tells him there are people there. I don't know what translation I was reading, but he basically he was like, don't worry about it. There's other people. You're not the only one. Basically, he was saying, Ananias, you're not the only one. There's other people out there that believe in me that are praying. And so don't you worry about it. I got this. I got you. I wish I could see it. Let's see. I don't know. I don't see it. Anyway, okay, just edit that out. Just take it out. Okay. So anyway, Jude, verse 20. Actually, I want to read this whole thing. It's, it says, a call to remain faithful. And so this is basically, this is the scripture that I want to end with. And so this, this is just what I felt like the Lord told me. I just want you to end it with this. So this is in the Passion Translation. It's Jude 20. Uh, Jude verse 17. It says, But you, my delightfully loved friends, remember the prophecies of the apostles of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. They taught you in the last days there will always be mockers, motivated by their own ungodly desires. These people cause division and are followers of their own natural instincts, devoid of the life of the Spirit. But you, this is for you, my delightfully loved friends, 
constantly and progressively build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. Fasten your hearts to the love of God and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. Keep being compassionate to those who still have doubts and snatch others out of the fire to save them. Be merciful over and over to them, but always couple your mercy with the fear of God. Be extremely careful to keep yourselves free from the pollution of the flesh. Now to the one with enough power to prevent you from stumbling into sin and bring you faultless before his glorious presence to stand before him with ecstatic delight. To the only God, our Savior, through our Lord Jesus Christ, be endless glory and majesty, great power and authority from before he created time, now and throughout all the ages of eternity. Amen. Amen. Okay, perfect. There you go. That's my word for tonight. <laughs> the Lord is so faithful. I'm so grateful. But it's so easy to walk in, to, when, when you come in and you experience his presence, to be, it's like walking into a, a banquet hall that's already prepared. You know, hearts are prepared, anointing is here, and it's so easy to just step up and go, okay, Lord, and just, and it's just so good. God is so good. Okay, so if you need an offering envelope, raise your hand, or usher, we'll get you one. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray over the offering. Father, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for living in our hearts and being here. You said that we're two or three gathered together right here in our midst. So I thank you for touching hearts and ministering to hearts, and thank you for revelation. I thank you for your word that it will not return void without accomplishing what you sent it forth to do, and you're watching over your word to perform it. So we just thank you. It's a win-win, and I just thank you for every person that's here, that you take them home safely, and that they, their sleep is sweet, and that you minister to them and speak to them, and that they wake up with a song in their heart. Or I ask you to bless this offering that's going forth. I ask that the every person that's giving tonight, that you just anoint that offering, and that it's blessed, and that that those finances come into their lives from many different directions and all different places that they can't even imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. Dinner on the grounds this Sunday. Wild game. Hunters. Where's my hunters? I told Dwayne, I said, I'm making venison stew. And he's like, no, not my backstrap. And I'm like, you're going to go get more anyway. I'm just going to, I'm doing it. I am. I am. <laughs> he's shaking his head back there. No, I am making venison stew for dinner on the grounds. And he's going to help me. We're going to use this awesome pressure cooker. <laughs> he's, he's back there with this little mocking, huh? I'm going to, I'm, I've got it out already. I'm going to do it. The Lord bless you and keep you and minister to you as you go in Jesus' name. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.